Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks and John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. And we are proceeding toward the start of spring practice for Tennessee football. That will get underway later this month. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to start looking ahead to the 2022 season because if it comes down to talking about spring practice or the season, I think we'd all rather look ahead to the season. Guys, let's uh, let's go through some uh, some fact or fiction scenarios. I'm going to throw about eight scenarios at you, and I want uh, you to tell me whether that's going to be a fact for Tennessee this season or fiction. Start off with, uh, with the quarterback position. Tennessee returning Hendon Hooker. You know, this time last year, we didn't know for sure who was going to be Tennessee's starting quarterback. Hendon Hooker was in the driver's seat. Then Joe Milton came in. Milton wins the job. Uh, Hooker takes it back. Well, now we know going into the season. Hooker returning starter. We've seen Josh Heupel's offense. Fact or fiction, Hendon Hooker will throw for 4,000 yards this season. I'm going to go fiction. Uh, I think 4,000 yards is more Peyton Manning territory. Tyler Bray didn't do that. Eric Ainge didn't do that. I'd set the over-under for Hooker more around 3,500 yards. He, Him and Milton together uh, passed for 30, about 3,300 yards last year. I think you could argue that if Hooker was the starter to begin the season, he probably would have had around that 3,500 mark. I think also this this speaks to something, the, uh, a misconception of Hooker, and this offense, uh, this offense is built to run the ball. Uh, they pile up a lot of passing yards, but it's pretty balanced. And, and Heupel's offense usually runs it quite a bit. And there's also a misconception of Hooker that he he broke a lot of passing records last year, but it was more for efficiency and um, passer rating, touchdown to interception ratio, completion percentage, those sort of things, and not really big yardage numbers. I think he hit 300 yards maybe twice uh, over the year. Uh, one of them was in the bowl game, so – He's going to be probably, I think, around that 3,500 mark, maybe a little better, but I don't see him getting to 4,000, so this is fiction. Yeah, I'd go fiction, too. Um, I do think Tennessee likes to run the ball. I could see Hooker throwing for like 36, 3,700 yards. Um, he's got a, his leading receiver back, his top running back returns. Uh, offensive line is back, and you would think the offense – the team would be more comfortable in this offense. It looked pretty comfortable anyway in the first year, but I just think there are a lot. That's a lot to ask. There's so many variables in that. Uh, in some of the against some of the weaker opponents in the non-conference schedule, if uh, Hooker may not play that, you know, he may not play in the fourth quarter in some of those games. So I don't see that happening. Yeah, I may have set the bar too high on this one. I, I'm influenced by quarterbacks putting up just crazy numbers in, in recent years. You know, this sure. past season, uh, we saw Bryce Young and Will Rogers uh, just blow past the 4,000-yard mark for passing. Year before that, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask both top 4,000 yards. Year before that, Joe Burrow went past 5,000 yards. But if you go back to the 2018 season and, early, and earlier, I mean – SEC quarterbacks were not reaching that 4,000-yard clip with regularity. And, and in fact, Tennessee's never had a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards in a season. Peyton Manning topped 3,800 uh, there in, in 1997. So I probably 
I probably set the bar a little too high. I would join you guys in saying fiction on that one as well. All right, prompt number two. And we get some uh, some more disagreement on this one. Tennessee will go undefeated in the month of September. Fact or fiction? Now, I'm going to give you the four opponents that Tennessee plays in September. Ball State, Pittsburgh, Akron. It's supposed to be Army, but Tennessee ducked them, put Akron in instead. And then Florida. Those are your four teams in September. Fact or fiction? Tennessee will go undefeated against those four. I'm going to go fiction, uh, but I, I don't know that I have a really good argument for this because individually, uh, I I think I may end up picking Tennessee to win each of those four games. But playing the odds, as if you know, I was throwing money on this, uh, on, on this, I would say there's a better chance that they lose to Pitt or Florida, one of the two. Individually, I like Tennessee in each of those games. Because those are both pretty close to 50-50 games, I'd put the odds on Tennessee losing one of them. Pitt replaced Kenny Pickett. I don't think this is going to be as good of a Pitt team, but they are going to have a really good wide receiving core. They bring back Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, best receiver in the country. You know, just the history of Florida winning 16 of 17. I know Billy Napier is, is not what other Florida coaches are necessarily. He's not that proven, but it's still a series that Tennessee has not had good fortune in at all. And so... Tennessee, I could see going 4-0 in that one, but tossing up Pitt and Florida both, I, I'm not so sure that they win either, or, or they win both of those, so that, that would make this fiction. Adam, you're talking about odds and betting. I really think it's unethical for you to bet for or against the team you cover. That's just a, a personal note. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a uh, fact. Pittsburgh uh, had got Keaton Slovis from Southern California, but he's not as good as Penny Kick- Kenny Pickett was. Penny Kickett. I like uh, that better. Penny Kickett. Penny Kickett uh, pretty much uh, sliced up Tennessee on crucial plays. I, I thought I really liked the way he played against Tennessee. I just don't think, even though it's on the road, one thing we learned last year about Tennessee's offense, if it's playing a mediocre, a weak defense, it's really going to roll. And I think Tennessee will do that against Pitt. It lost some key players on defense. Uh, Florida, I'm not really high on Florida. I mean, it it ended up two and six in the SEC. And I don't, I don't know, maybe Billy Napier will do something. But Dan Mullen was uh, dominated Tennessee in his three seasons there. So I don't think, as far as the Tennessee game goes, I don't think this is an upgrade uh, for Florida. Also playing at home, I just think Tennessee's I know the history's awful, but I, I just think Tennessee's uh, ready to win that game, and and I don't I don't like uh, Florida's quarterback situation. Emory Jones, he's unpredictable as a passer, a good runner, and Anthony Rich, Anthony Richardson, great talent, but he's on the sideline with injuries most of the time. So I like I like that fact. All right, I'm going to use my vice president settle the tie vote here and oh. uh, s- side with side with Adam for similar reasoning. I, I think looking at each game individually, I could I could see myself picking Tennessee in each of these four games, but just collectively thinking, okay, they have to beat Pittsburgh on the road and then beat Florida at home. I think the odds say they lose one of those two. So I, I say fiction. I say they go three and one in September. But you know if you if you were to look even past that, they go four and oh in September 
Then they have a road game at LSU. LSU, you know, coming off a down season, new coach. It's not inconceivable that Tennessee could be 5-0 and going into that game against Alabama. It's a stretch, but it's not inconceivable. We'll see. All right, prompt number three. Going to the defensive side of the ball for this one. The Vols will allow at least 30 points per game during the 2022 season. They surrendered 29 points per game last year. So basically what I'm asking is, is their defense going to get better or worse? But the actual prop, fact or fiction, Tennessee will allow at least 30 points per game this season. I've waffled on this one quite a bit. I'm, I I guess I'm going to go fiction. I, I think they'll probably be right about where they were um, this past year. I think their scheme is going to be developed a little more th- uh, this season. So I, I think in competitive games, that score is going to be a little lower. Um, they will have more shootouts this year. So, you know, South Carolina was lower scoring. Missouri was lower scoring. I mean, on the opponent side, I think those scores are probably a little higher. But, you know, they're playing Akron and Ball State and UT Martin. And then Pitt, which I think will be a half step behind what they were last year. So you're just not going to give up many points in non-conference. The 29.1 points per game they gave up last year is probably going to hold pretty consistent this next year. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go fiction. They'll be under 30. I'll go fiction too, and I'll go a little lower than Adam. I think this team could hold opponents to an average of about 28.5 points per game. <laughs> I mean, I've studied the question, so. Uh, yeah. Just throwing that out the top of my head. No, we wouldn't want that. John. No, I, I do wonder about Tennessee's secondary going up against Bryce Young of Alabama, going up against Spencer Rattler of South Carolina, who has a lot of good receivers returning. Stetson Bennett's put up 41 on him each year, so with a little help from his defense, might not as help, have as much help this year. But I think it can, it can go 28.5, but don't play Purdue in the bowl game with or then we, then we might go up to that 30-point mark. You know, coming into this, recording this, I, I was pretty confidently going to say fact that they would allow at least 30 points per game. I just, you know, the defense wasn't particularly good last year, and they, they lost some of their top contributors, guys like Elante Taylor, Matthew Butler. Um, so I have some real concerns about this defense. You guys almost convinced me, and it really doesn't have anything to do with the defense. It's more what Adam said. You look at that schedule and it's like, well, how many points are Akron and Ball State really going to score? So you post a, a couple of good defensive performances there and it gives you some wiggle room. But I'm still going to say fact. They'll they'll allow at least 30 points per game this year. John said 28 and a half. I'll say they Tennessee's allowing uh, like 30.5, 30 and a half. Go with that. All right. I put the bar too high on Hinn and Hooker. We'll see if this one's a little more appropriately set. Fact or fiction, Jabari Small will rush for at least 1,000 yards this season. Now, for reference, Tennessee has not had a 1,000-yard rusher since 2015 when Jalen Hurd uh, actually went over 1,200 yards. So fact or fiction, Jabari Small is going to end the streak, and he's going to get over 1,000 yards. I'm going to go fact on this uh, 13 game schedule. That's including a bowl. We've got to get uh, about 77 yards a game. I think Jabari is going to be right at that. And it's more so who his running mates are. Jalen Wright, you know, looked fine at times last year, but I think there's a lot of 
improvement that's needed there. And he's not a power runner. Justin Williams is going to be more of their power back, and that's a that's a freshman. So I think they're going to default more to Jabari Small and giving him carries. There's not a Tyon Evans, a running mate on this team right now, unless they go get one in the portal. I, I think in crunch time, they're going to go with Jabari Small. To start off games, they're going to go with Jabari Small to get short yardage. Probably early in the season, they're going to go with more of Jabari Small. So he's going to get a lot of carries, which means he's going to pile up yards. Um, so I, I think he does get the 1,000 yards fact. I really am undecided on this. Can I just not not answer the question? <laughs> uh, no, I'd prefer you answered. Uh, okay, okay. And if you want to say nine ninety nine and a half, that would be fiction. I know you like those right on the right on the edge. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty exact with numbers, big numbers guy. So I, I will say it'll fall just short of a thousand yards rushing. I think. I just think Tennessee might spread it around some more. And then some of those, against some of those weak opponents, he probably won't play as much. They'll, they'll want to protect his health. So I'll go under 1,000. Would you like to say how many yards he's going to finish with? Call your shot. Uh, Yeah, I would, in fact. I will go with 903 yards. 903? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Just correct so that this, 900 mark. This feels like a little bit of a prices right game. I'm going to side with you, John. I think it's going to be close. I think if I would have set the prompt at 900 yards, I'd say fact. I think he tops 900. I don't know if he gets to 1,000. I'm just curious to see who's going to emerge as the number two running back. Uh, like Adam said, I mean, if if Jabari Small could become the workhorse, if he's you know the guy getting most of the carries, which he probably will be, maybe he does get to 1,000. You know, we, with Tyon Evans transferring, we just we don't know for sure who's going to be that running back number two. Is it Jalen Wright? Um, and if so, how much is that a 50-50 scenario, or is it more like Jabari Small gets 70% of the carries? Um, how much does Hinden Hooker keep it and run it himself? I don't, I don't know. I think it'll be close, but I do think someone, whether it be Jalen Jalen Wright or, or someone else, you know, emerges and gets you know maybe something close to a little bit more like 50-50 of the carries, and and uh, maybe that keeps Small just just shy of a of a thousand yards. All right, another defensive prompt. Uh, Tennessee's pa- pass rush was was much better uh, last season than really a, a non-existent pass rush in uh, in 2020. Now, their their sacks were pretty spread around. You had Byron Young with five and a half sacks, Jeremy Banks with five and a half sacks, Matthew Butler had five sacks. Now, this prompt is just focusing in on one guy who's having a huge season, Byron Young. Fact or fiction, Byron Young will finish with at least 10 sacks this season. I'm going to go fiction um, because, I mean, Derek Barnett was the last guy that did this at UT, and uh, Byron Young is an ascending player, but he's not Derek Barnett. There were only two players in the SEC last year. They got double-digit sacks, and one of those was, uh, I think, was at Alabama, and that took 15 games. Um, I I just don't see Byron Young uh, getting there. I I think the bigger numbers for Tennessee's defensive linemen – are going to be TFLs, uh, tackles for loss, because they were, as a team, they were uh, top five in that nationally last season. I think that's that's going to be the bigger numbers. I still think they have a ways to go to pile up a lot of sacks, especially individually. I think their sack count will be good as a team, but not individually. So it's going to be fiction. Probably depends on how many snaps he gets against Akron. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Um, 
If they would have played that Army game, that would have that would have hurt him because Army doesn't throw the ball. So swapping I know. Out Army for Akron, that maybe that was just intended to get Byron Young to ten sacks. Army only throws the ball in the last minute and a half of a bowl game against uh, Missouri. Then it throws the ball very effectively. Um, so uh, no, I'll go with fiction. I don't think anybody on Tennessee's defense will have ten sacks. I think probably seven point five would be the top number there. Yeah, I think I, I this is another case of Hinton Hooker throwing for four thousand yards. I set the prompt just a little bit too high. I'll, I'll agree, fiction seven or eight is probably a, a pretty good prediction for Byron Young in the sack total. Uh, I guess I'm just really bullish on on some Tennessee players having individual seasons. I don't know, or or maybe uh, I was just trying to push the envelope a little bit, but we'll. We'll go more from a big picture view here and, and get away from the individual perspective, but let's take it to recruiting. Tennessee will sign a top 10 ranked class nationally this year. Now, I mean, we've seen previous coaches do this. This is an unheard of Tennessee signing top 10 classes. Perutz had a top 10 class, uh, I believe, or he was right around there. I know he had at least a top 12 class. Uh, Butch had some top 10 classes. Uh, we know that Josh Heupel was not there this year, but he dealt with you know coming in late, had the NCAA investigation, etc. Now in year two, can Josh Heupel sign a top ten class? Fact or fiction? Yeah, I'm going to go fiction. Um, I think the class could be improved from this past year, but I don't think they reach the. I don't think UT reaches the top ten, and it's really maybe I guess more deductive reasoning. Uh, Think about who could be likely would be in the top 10 uh, nationally uh, of SEC teams, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, maybe Florida, Billy Napier's first full class. And then look outside the SEC, Ohio state, Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson, USC, maybe Michigan. I just named 11 teams. So Tennessee would have to leapfrog at least two of those to get into the into the top ten, and you know maybe they beat out a Florida team, maybe they beat out uh, Michigan. It's it's certainly plausible, but I, I think more so the twelve to fifteen range is where I think you can expect uh, UT's recruiting class to be. So I'm going to call this fiction. I would say fiction on that. I think Tennessee will have probably about the eleventh or twelfth ranked class think it will come close, but uh, that's still a lot to ask. We still got this NCAA probe just hanging over everybody's head. Over everybody's head. I thought uh, Josh Heupel and his staff did a great job uh, given the circumstances last year. So I go, I would go a top 15 class, but not a top 10. Guys, do you think we're making too much of this NCAA probe? I mean, like, is that a free pass for Josh Heupel more than it should be when it comes to recruiting? Because let's say the NCAA hands down a bowl ban. It's not like the old days where then players may not be able to play in the postseason that year. Like if they hand down a bowl ban and nobody wants to stick around, they can go transfer and play somewhere else immediately. So do do play should players care about this NCAA investigation? Well, I'm, I'm, we'll know the answer to that probably if this next class is about what the first one is. Uh, I mean, and, and I think it probably will be consistently around, you know, 15 or so, maybe a lower than that, like John said, in terms of rankings. It's also so hard to gauge for a number of other reasons. I mean, we don't know how much NIL plays into recruiting. 
we don't know how much you should glean from this, knowing that the transfer portal is a lot of what you add. So some teams will add a lot of portal guys, and so maybe their recruiting class isn't as high, and then you also get vice versa. To be a top-10 class, you got to bring in a five-star guy usually. And Tennessee right now is a three to four, through sometimes four-star type class and you know unless they pull a five star they're probably not going to get into the top 10 and i'm I'm not sure that they're going to do that well i'm going to go with fiction on this recruiting prompt not not necessarily because of the the ncaa investigation i just think i mean jeremy pruitt and his staff were allegedly cheating uh to allegedly the level of ncaa level one or two violations according to tennessee's own chancellor Dondi plowman and they were having a hard time cracking the top 10 while they were apparently flouting the rules, they were right there a couple years in that like 11 to 12 range. And so if Tennessee couldn't get to the top 10 while cheating, I don't think they're cheating now. I'm going to say fiction. They, they can't get to the top 10. So I have a journal. I have a journalism question there, guys. You said that uh, Jeremy Pruitt was allegedly cheating by committing alleged rules violations is allegedly like a double negative. If he allegedly committed alleged violations, is that what it probably is? I probably have one too many. He didn't cheat at all. You just said he didn't cheat at all. (laughs) That's what his lawyer would tell you. Yeah. 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 Whatever happened to that attorney in that lawsuit, they were going to bash Tennessee with. He insisted he wasn't bluffing when I talked to him in the fall. Uh-huh. I've seen no lawsuit, and I've not been able to get him back on the phone again. So I hope he's I would, doing okay. I'd really like to play poker with that guy. I'd just, like to I, see what his thoughts are on foreign relations. Make make threats, and then don't come through with them. I just hope he's all right, because he insisted he wasn't bluffing. And so if he wasn't bluffing, where is he? On a more poignant note, do you is Jeremy Pruitt gotten a... Does he have a job right now? I don't believe so. Um usually fired Tennessee coaches, John, don't they come back around as like special advisor to the president and then become athletic director? That is one tract. Um, I just don't think that route will work for Jeremy Pruitt. You don't but think I he just, could overthrow Danny White and take that athletic director chair? No, I don't who's see the that special, either. Who's the special teams coordinator at Heritage High School right now? Have we... If we dove deep into that to find out. I think they're slowly revealing that staff. Yes, Joe Osavet, uh, the former Pruitt assistant, is now the head coach at Heritage High. He might have a spot on the end of that staff. He could bring Jeremy in. I don't know. I'd keep my eyes on uh, on who's coaching the Gunners on the punt team out there at Heritage. And maybe they can find him a spot as as an analyst. Yeah, maybe, maybe not a special teams coach, but I like that Gunner analyst for Heritage High. Guy that mows the yard, that, that mows the field. Like every Thursday, that guy. Yeah, I could see maybe a custodial job in his future. Now we're just piling on. We're just kidding. I'm sure he'll end up with an NFL job. Be making more money than all three of us combined. Of well, not John. Will. John's a yeah, longtime valued columnist for the Knox News. So more money than Adam and I combined, at least. All right, guys. Going to get to the last one here. Fact or fiction? Tennessee will play in the Citrus Bowl or a New Year's Six Bowl game to conclude the season. Now, why I put the Citrus Bowl in there is the Citrus Bowl is one one step below those New Year's Six games. So I'm saying they're going to they're gonna reach a lofty bowl game, whether that be a New Year's Six game like the, the Sugar Bowl or Orange Bowl or one step below that for the Citrus Bowl. For reference, 
who played in the Citrus Bowl? Kentucky played in the Citrus Bowl this year against Iowa. So you need to have a, a Kentucky-like season, I guess. I don't know if that's high praise. But fact or fiction, Tennessee will play in the Citrus Bowl or a New Year's Six Bowl this season. Yeah, I'm going to go fact barely. Now, they're not going to get into a New Year's Six, but since you included the Citrus, uh, I'll go with fact. I mean, college football playoff will be at least the top SEC team, probably the top two, and then the New Year's Six will bring in probably the third-place team, um, could even grab the fourth-place team in a given year. So you're asking Tennessee to be the fourth or fifth-best team in the SEC, and I think they barely get there. I I think they've also got something in their corner, which is – that they haven't played in the Citrus Bowl since 2002. And the Citrus really, really wants Tennessee. I mean, if the Citrus could have squeezed in Tennessee and made enough of case for them this past year, uh, they would have been in there. They like the fan base. They like the fact that Tennessee hasn't played there in a while. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a new team, so to speak. Um, if Tennessee can get within striking distance of the Citrus, they'll get in there. And, and so that's probably an eight and four, May maybe a nine and three, but eight and four record will maybe get them in. And so I think Tennessee reaches that. They go to the citrus. It's a fact. We're going to John Adams on the text line here. Adams vote <laughs> is in John's internet connection has dropped off. And, and I've got John here on the line and we'll relay his answer. John fact or fiction, Tennessee will reach the citrus bowl or a new year's six bowl to culminate this season. So I'll say fact. You say fact, John. If if Kentucky can make the Citrus Bowl, so can Tennessee. That's the rationale, right? I'm glad we could get John in there on the uh, on the text line. That was better than smoke signals or uh, or telegraph. Barely, it was barely better than that. But I'm gonna go fiction. I'm gonna say, uh, you know, had I said fact, Tennessee goes four and zero in September, then I think they get to the Citrus Bowl. But I got to stay consistent here. If I think they're losing one of those games in September. Then, you know, you've got Alabama, Georgia. I'm not convinced that game against LSU on the road, Baton Rouge. I, I think LSU is going to be better than a lot of people uh, maybe were once thinking. So, yeah, I don't. I, I think they're going to be knocking on the door that Citrus Bowl. I'll agree with that. But I'm going to say they're going to come up just short. So I will say I, I think as much of a factor as what the rest of the SEC does. I mean, I mentioned how many teams needed to go into the playoff in the New Year's Six to, to clear up the Citrus Bowl. I mean, do we have multiple playoff teams? Do we have multiple New Year's Six teams? Um, is the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC a nine and three like it was this year with Kentucky or is it an eight and four? Do we sort of had a, a, a muddy uh, standings uh, this season in the SEC. So a lot of it depends on what the other teams do, uh, not just what Tennessee does. And we are joined once again by John Adams of the podcast. John, welcome back. <laughs> I've been away for a few minutes. Uh, uh, Hotspot is in and out. So, yeah, I'm back. I think we lost John. I think we lost John again. <laughs> And we're going to let us that, that take us out the door. Thanks for listening to this technologically impaired edition of the Volunteer State.